So I want to talk about today is that some what's the chametz, the chiyuv, the deraisa, what to do about the rabbanon, and the practical answers. And taking into account both people who are going to be here for Pesach and people who are not going to be here for Pesach. So the number one, the mitzvah deraisa is to destroy the chametz one's possession. Was it to the say two of them, not to or not to have, not to see chametz. Okay, so what are our options to do about it? The obvious option, the first option is to get rid of the chametz, to destroy it. In other words. Now that it's for Pesach, anyway, that a person takes chametz out of his rishos, he's already, been, he's already no longer has a chametz to worry about, and as long as then, therefore, by the time Pesach comes, he has no chametz, that's okay. So let's talk about different categories of chametz. What's nagir? Then the first obvious one is the food a person has in his house, which is chametz. So that's the first category that if you can eat it, give it to somebody else. Stambi mafkarid in the cradle kitchen, or whatever it is. So then he's, he's dealt with the chametz, he doesn't have to worry about that. That's the easy chametz to take care of. Now, that's chametz a person's aware of. What about chametz a person's not aware of? In other words, it's not in the, in the cupboard or in the freezer, whatever it is. Chametz a person's not aware of. So that's why chazal matak and the chiyu which means the person has to go look for the chametz to make sure that there wasn't something he forgot about, overlooked, didn't think about, didn't find, whatever it is. And therefore, there's a chiyu b'dika in order to look for other chametz also. If a person's done that right, then when it comes Erev Pesach, he has no chametz in his house. The chametz he knows about is disposed of or eaten or given away. The chametz he found during the b'dika is going to burn Erev Pesach morning. And now that's it. There's no more chametz. So there's no, there's no problem. The problem, the reason why that's not enough by itself, the Gemara says, is because... A bedikah isn't perfect. There may be a person, even though he's checked for chametz, and we'll talk about this still today, about how exactly to check or where you have to check, but there'll be more chametz that he, he didn't find. And the maizah, the chametz is there. And he might find it on Pesach, he might find it after Pesach, but so if so, he was over having chametz in Pesach, and therefore Chazal instituted a second option, and that is business in the battle of the chametz. And therefore, even if I still have chametz, I would say it's onerous, it's not mine. And if, as long as it's, a person is mevatel, it will, when it's still halachically considered his, which means before the time when it's asr, uh, which is chatzos in the day before Pesach, at that stage, a person can mevatel the chametz, and now halach, even if it's in his house, halachically it's not his. How can we jump to that stage? Oh, so ask the Gemara. So why don't we just do the betel? Why do we need the bedeka? Just do the betel. So the Gemara has two reasons, and it's very important to two reasons, because there's a big difference, and we'll talk about it in practical nafkamina between them. The one reason is because we don't believe a person means what he says. Right? If a person has chametz which is valuable, then he's not going to say it's bottle and say, all right, that's it, it's bottles, forget about it. He's a kind of sir, he has a store of whiskeys, uh, aged in casks in his storeroom, whatever it is, or has a big selection of any other chametz is his merchandise. So just say, yeah, I'll say the rest of it's all bottle, it's all over, it's finished, it's not mine. He doesn't really mean it, and therefore it doesn't work, and therefore it's his, and therefore Chazal weren't prepared to rely on bitul. Number one. Number two. There's another very practical chajash. And there's all the bitl in the world. The mice, if a person finds a chametz and pesach and doesn't think and eats it, he's been over an isra of kores, of eating chametz. And therefore, chazal, two reasons not to run just on bitl. The first one is we don't want you to see chametz because chazal shalom person come to eat it. And number two, we don't, we have he might not mean the bitl. Okay, and therefore, this is Adkan, the Divra Gemara, this is all brought in Shulchanaruch. Therefore, the preferred method is to do, number one, dispose of the chametz in Azabat. Do bedikah to look for chametz which he doesn't know about, and three do a bittel so that in case the bedikah wasn't comprehensive enough, he doesn't have a problem. Now the obvious question is, what happens if a person does want to keep his chametz? He doesn't necessarily want to get rid of it, right? And if that's the case, so what other option does he have? He can't own it. 
And uh, therefore, as much as he wants to keep it, the Bethel is not, not going to do anything because he doesn't really mean to move it. And therefore, the, even though it's not brought in the Gemara, but it's brought in the Rishonim, it's based on the Gemara. And that is that a person can sell Chomets to a guy. And once it belongs to the guy, then it's no longer his. And therefore, once it's no longer his, he no longer has a problem with the Chomets on Pesach, on condition that it's been sold properly, number one. And number two, we have to take care of the second problem also. And that is, there's no Chashash that's going to eat it. Because that's a, a, a separate problem to owning chametz is the fact that the person might eat the chametz which he finds, and therefore if I'm going to work with the idea of selling the chametz to a guy, which is halakhically valid, that's okay. I can sell chametz to a guy, but then I have to make sure that the chametz I've sold to the guy is in a situation or in a place where I'm not coming to eat. The, I'm not going to end up eating the chametz. There is a Vilnagon who was in Maestri Rav, and they bring that he was a Vilnagon was Macbeth not to allow a sale for real chametz. But the shad is why not? Uh, the Shulchan Aruch has mashed before she had a real chametz. All the chivas of the of the Achronim, pages and pages and pages of them, which are brought down in the Viralacha there, are all talking about people who their business was they distilled whiskey or beer or whatever it was, which means they had a whole the whole store, the whole uh, merchandise was chametz. They were selling real chametz. That's what they, that, that was their panasi. Right? And they all everyone was matched to sell real chametz. Like I said, the guy was a desiachit. He comes from a diok and a tosefta that it's only a bedi eved, not a lechatchila. And therefore, people who machmir like the guy and the other people have this minak, if not to sell real chametz. That's your minute, and that's not an option for you. Then you're going to have to either get dispose of the chametz, or finish it, or throw it out, burn it, and replace it. Don't talk about that. Minag, and whatever the person's minag is regarding real chametz. Okay, so now we have to talk about breaking the three categories, and the way we're going to break down the sugas is not just into vital, dika, and selling, but more like what, what what are the areas which we worried about, and what is best to do about. Okay, so let's go back to. The first point. And that is, a chametz a person knows that they have. So that's the, what's, what's in the category of chametz? So really in halach, in halach we have two categories. There's something which is called chametz gomer, and something which is called tarevis chametz. Chametz gomer is something which the primary ingredient, or, the, or at least the whole, the whole mixture has become chametz. That's the first category. The second category is something which has chametz mixed into it, but it's not the primary ingredient. Now, what's primary chametz, I don't have to tell everybody, everyone knows what's in the category of chametz. Um, any kind of obviously baked baked things, whether it's uh, cookies, cakes, biscuits, all these things, everyone knows it's chametz. Any kind of pasta is chametz, um, biscuits, uh, crackers, all these things which are the primary ingredients. Everyone knows that it's poshut, that a person has to, like I said, either eat it, get rid of it, or sell it if he wants to sell. Um, same thing, alcohol, which is grain-based alcohol, which is basically whiskey, beer, number of vodkas are also grain-based vodka, and some liqueurs you have to check. Things like that also, and if that's the primary thing that they distilled in order to ferment, that's considered the Ruby Chomets, and therefore a person has to deal with that also. Now, things which have Chomets inside them, but it's the Tarevis Chomets, are all the soup powders, sauces, salad dressings, thickeners, uh, barbecue sauce, all these things which are basically, they use flour as a, as a thickening agent in them. Things like that are also Chomets, which means you are not allowed to have them in your Rosh and Pesach. But if a person is uh, a person who's, wi- who's willing to sell everything except for real chametz, then there's more of a reason to matter them to sell a tarevis of chametz. It's not considered real chametz. The big question is Israel is flour. You know, there's unused flour. Is flour chametz or not? It's a sulfur chametz. And the reason for that is, is because in order to grind flour, they do is they spray the wheat with a little bit of moisture, 15% whatever of moisture content, and that way it makes the the shells of the wheat seeds heavier than the wheat inside, and it's easier to separate the white flour from the kernels. It's called the sisla in Hebrew, which everyone talks about, 
that letters that the, the, the amount of moisture to add to the wheat before they before they grind it. And uh, they definitely should not hold it. That's enough to make a comet. And therefore, we consider flour in Eretz Yisrael to be a Sopha comet. And therefore, one should definitely sell flour. should have it over Pesach. It might be Oyster. But if a person is Machri only on not a Chomet comet, then they can sell their flour. That's the first, uh, that's first category. Now, so let's talk about the sale first. How does the sale look? So those things that the person wants to sell. Now, there are other categories also of things which really don't have chametz, but since the person uses them with chametz the whole time, there's a very likely possibility that there's chametz inside the container. Right? So, for example, if uh, you have uh, a jar of coffee, and you know that you're the kind of person who doesn't always make sure that the teaspoon you're putting into the coffee is clean, and therefore you could have, whatever is on the counter the whole year round, whatever's on the teaspoon went into the coffee too. It's good to sell things like that because unless you want to check the coffee, there might be crumbs inside, there might be chomets inside it. And therefore, things, most people will sell foodstuffs even if they're not necessarily chomets in the original production, but they were in a place where chomets was always freely used, and there's a good chance that chomets, uh, you know, particles of chomets inside them, it's good to sell. A person only has to snap. Therefore, when it comes to sell, what are the three steps in the process of how to sell? Black one comes, those will be the forms that everyone can fill in. The three steps in the process are like this. Number one, the idea of it has to be a halakhically valid sale which works with the guy. What's the kinyan which works with the guy? It's not so, sh- not so clear. It's the in the Gemara. So therefore, whoever sells with, uh, to the guy, we do about five different kinyan just to make sure we're doing a kinyan which really works. So the first thing is you have to do a, a, a halakhically acceptable kinyan. Number two, it has to be understood that this is a halakhically acceptable kinyan, which means it's not a religious ceremony. And that's always the problem with things like this. Right? If the person on the other side thinks this is just a ceremony, and that's, that's a religious, uh, it's a religious thing as opposed to an actual transaction, then it's not taken seriously. He doesn't really think he has anything. I just, you want to be religious, you need to sign the paper for you, I did it. So the important part of the sale has to be it's understood. I'm selling this to you, buying it. It has a price. Right? And therefore, when you went to sell the comments, it has to be something realistically that the guy will buy. We have to try and work out more or less a realistic price for what he's going to pay for it, that it's worth it for him to buy and it's worth it for you to sell. So, for example, people say, all right, I have a, yeah, I have a few crates of whiskey in, the, in my set I want to sell. How much the price? $10. That means it's not a sale, right? Because no one's going to sell bottles of whiskey for $10. So, it means you didn't really mean it as a sale. So, therefore, when you're, if you really want to do it properly, we have to see what's it really worth and a fair price that both sides are happy. And it's in a sale in a case, so it's, it's accessible to the guy. And if he wants it to come and get it, he can. Which is why the sale form will tell you exactly where the chametz is, exactly what the chametz is, a value of how much the chametz is worth, and that where, how is he going to get it. If I want to pick it up, how, where, where's the key? Who's going to let me in? How do I get my chametz? I just bought it from you. I want to get it. Right? That, and that, that makes a sale a real sale. When the sale doesn't have all these things, it's just become like they shake hands with the guy and here, here you go, you bought my chametz, very good. Then there's no, it's not a meaningful sale. And uh, Rabbi said, something. We, we're playing with a derive server here because the things that people sell, they don't mean to my battle. On the contrary, that's why I sold it. I want it. So it has to work, the sale. If the sale doesn't work, then everything's awesome. There, were a year, there was a year when the Badats, uh, a number of years, they had a certain Arab who used to work with every year to buy the Khamets from them. And after a number of years, he said to them, you should know, you know, you know I just want to explain to you guys that I'm always so helpful to the Jews and come and buy Khamets every year. And he says, I'm a Jew. So I feel very indebted to you. So okay, it's not the Khamets we're looking for. But it, it means that anybody who sold through that sale, they have to destroy it now because it, it was all awesome. It's a chametz which belonged to a Jew in Pesach. Because that's the, that, that's the Rav's job, to find the person who has a yichus that is a real guy. Right? But once you do that, then you have to explain to him that it's a real sale. I always say every year, this 
the, sh- the story with uh, Rabbi Vrati because this brings out the point. And that is for sales in a person's house that uh, they want to sell their chametz, there's a good chance that they'll make a real sale. I'll go, I'll go look through my freezer, through my storeroom, through whatever it is, uh, what the chametz I have is, how much is it already, it has a price. I have no problem if a guy wants to buy my three boxes of macaroni which I never got to eating and my half a bottle of whiskey which is left from Purim, he wants to give me a fair price, I'm very happy to sell. So that's the case, it has the basis of a sale. The problem is, especially in Israel, when you have the big factories, because they're also the ones which are Jewish owned at least, right? they also have to sell their chametz, and they're definitely not going to destroy it, so they want to sell it. Right? And now the question is, how much they really mean to sell? Because if they don't really mean to sell, the whole thing's not a sale. This was the time of Rabbi and and Ravazna, and all the other places, always had against the, the big sales of factories, and that is, the whole thing is a joke. No one's trying to sell. They, they, in order not to lose their cash, they'll sign on the form, they have no intention of selling. So one of Rabbi Yashiv's goodbye, he decided that he's going to fix things up. So when he went to sell the chametz for Tival, Tival makes all the soya stuff, and it's all full of chametz because they're using flour and all the things as a stabilizer. So when he went to the Tival factory to sign the chametz form with them, so he added a clause into the, into the contract that if the non-Jewish buyer would arrive at any time to pick up the merchandise that he bought, and the factory won't give him full and immediate access to the storerooms to take their things, then they're liable to pay a fine of 50,000 shekels. Right? Because uh, for impeding the impeding the sale. Well, okay, so they signed everything. So as the manager was walking over Prati to his car after the after the, after they signed with the guy, so Prati said, that's the first time leaving a factory actually convinced they did a good job. So I said, why was the difference? So he said, because now, now you're really meant to sell. So I said, why? So he said, because you just signed that if you don't give the buyer access to your storerooms, you're going to pay 550,000 shekels. So the manager said, okay, I'll pay 50,000 shekels. <laughs> said, what? So he said, do you think I'm stupid? He said, you know I've made contracts with Supersol, with Yesh, with Asha'ad, with Ermi Levi, for the day after Pesach to deliver 500,000 shekels worth of produce. It's all waiting to go. And now this guy comes and is going to take it away from me, I'll pay me 50,000 shekels, he can go home. There's no way I'm giving him anything. And that's the way they think. And if that's the case, the sale is not a sale. No one meant to sell anything. Right? And that, 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 so the problem with the sale is not so much the Vilnagon's Chumra of Chomets Gomer. That's a side thing if you want to be Mahmoud. The problem with the sale is when people don't really mean to sell. So like I said, that's why I don't have a problem selling for average people in their homes because it's not, you're, you're not this issue. Most people, they're happy to sell the Chomets. If they get a fair price, I have no reason to hold, to hold on to it. Okay, so therefore, within the cut of the sale, it has to be a real sale. And we want all the conditions on the form that the guy feels I actually have something, I know where to get it, and this is what it's worth. How do we do it? The master, you're coming with a bat uh, when you find the good guy, so a lot of people use them at the same time. So the master, you sell every pair of fiber bottom together, you're talking about 2,000 people selling their comments. How are you meant to work out an evaluation of what it's really worth and how much you have to pay? So the way we do it is we say, look, we, we go to these are all the forms of what everybody has, this is where it is, right? We're going to take a down payment of a few thousand shekels, whatever it is, we take a down payment now for all those chametz, and uh, you're going to keep you're going to keep track of what you've taken, and then afterwards you're going to you're going to you give us a list of what you actually went to take. We'll work out how much you have to pay for for each item, and that way, okay, it's real. You want to go to somebody's house and you see in his form exactly where he stored the alcohol. We'll keep a list of exactly. You know, this is all yours, and now how much you actually how much we'll work out exactly how much we have to owe you. And then we'll do all the kinyanim, and it's a real sale. And therefore, we can halakhically rely that the chomets like that which is sold is not in your Rosh Hashanah of Pesach, and you don't have to worry about it.
come from the country is going to buy that is because the maisa, what's going to happen is the amount you buy back isn't going to be the amount you sold. Why? Because there are always going to be the people who find chametz and decide to destroy it. Which now they shouldn't do. They sold it to the goy, but they'll destroy the goy's chametz. And there are always a case where something gets broken or something gets ruined, or whatever it is. So we can't just say, well, whatever we bought, you sold it back. It's not the same amount of things. Right? So if you're going to sell buy back, it's a different deal, and you have to make a new cheshman. Right? But Lemaitre right now, we sell only, and we tell we also that this is a new Christ. You know, now that you bought this guy's alcohol, if his cupboard falls over and the bottles will smash, you're taking the loss. It's yours. Yeah. Back at a higher price than he sold for. So you get the profit. We don't just undo the sale. We have to redo a new sale. And now we pay more for what he pays. So he, he comes out with the, with the profit that he's interested in. Three more points which are important to note. That is number one. The place where the chametz is, is something you're going to have to now make sure it's not accessible. Like I said, because even if it's the guy's chametz, you can't eat his chametz either. And therefore, whenever you sell, you have to define where it is and that that place isn't accessible. If it's in the locked closet, it's in the locked room, or, this is the other option, if it's in your dira, and it's a locked dira. Now, as if I'm living overseas, I don't want to do any place of cleaning before I leave, I could sell my whole apartment, and I'm saying all the chametz inside, I'm saying to the guy, and I'm locking the door, and no one's going inside, and that's okay. Uh, then I can't sublet to somebody else of a Pesach because then he's going to be in a place with his chametz. Someone's going to have to clean the chametz. But this idea of if I sold the area to the guy, sending a lot of Jewish, Jewish owned businesses or offices, whatever it is, if I don't feel like going to my office of a Pesach, I could tell the guy that I'm locking my office of the whole Yamtuf, only chametz inside I'm selling. Now, again, it has to be something that the guy is interested in buying. In other words, right, if I want to sell the, the guy the crumbs under my couch, right, I don't think anyone's interested in buying the crumbs under your couch. Similarly, if I'm going to sell him the taste in my plates, right? this is a nusach that we used to have, that, you know, you have bliyas, we're just saying this again now. So you have bliyas of all the, all the chametz dishes. So what I'm going to do with the bliyas chametz in my bowls, I'm going to sell him the taste in my bowls. Who's going to buy that? It's not a sellable item. Right? If you look at the Shulchan Aruch, that's what I'm saying. There's no reason for that. Right? If you see the Shulchan Aruch, he said you have to lock the kalim away, you don't use them. There's no mitzvah selling bliyas out of a kli to a god. Why can't you sell the kalim myself? Because I have to fill a kalim and I buy them back. So the Chaznish did that, but the Chaznish was just him and his wife. So he took his two plates to the mikvah after every other place. I can tell you that. But uh, okay. Once I've decided a place, right, which I'm selling the guy, I could just say all the comments in that place because uh, that's already cradled everything. So instead of going, to, if if you have to now work out exactly how much you have to pay him, you have to work out what the comment is. But if I say I'm telling you all the comments in my kitchen, I'm locking the kitchen. That's okay. And then that patters me from having to do a bedikah. And that's how we do two sales always with the guy. The one we do the day before B'dikas Chomets. And then whoever sells doesn't want to do B'dikas Chomets, they would sell up front before B'dikas Chomets. And that comes the night before Pesach. When the B'dikas Chomets is chal, it's not there. It's not there. It belongs to the guy, so they don't have to on it. And then there's, a second, then there's a second sale we do on Erev Pesach. And that's for everybody who's in the place where they're going to be over Pesach. Right? Now we can't afford to sell it the day before. Right, so we made it. You'll have to do bedeka, but the chametz you still put aside so that we let you sell to the guy. One more point: most boys can hold that it's kedai to sell chametz to a guy in the place where the chametz is, because for the same reason, it, it makes the sale much more unlikely. If you're going to be back in New York and you're saying to some guy, "Yeah, your two boxes of crackers here in your shalai," it's not worth it for him to come to get it. And therefore, we always say, if you have, if you here, sell chametz. If you have the chametz here, sell chametz here. If you have chametz there, sell chametz there then it's a possibility that the guy is actually interested in getting it. The only question always is, and this obviously is the job of the Rav selling the Chomets, is to take into account the time zones of everybody who's selling with him. Because you have to make sure that for the person who's sold the Chomets, he doesn't get back the Chomets when it's still Pesach. 
and therefore you have to sell before the first person's Pesach, and you have to buy it back only after the last person's out of Pesach, because that way you don't want any Jew to have Chomets which belongs to him over Pesach. Okay, so option number one is to sell the Chomets, or sell the area, and then rent out, to keep for the guy the area where the Chomets is, and I, need, I don't need to do anything further. About selling Chomets. Now let's talk about, let's talk about cleaning for Chomets. Again, this is Nagaya either if you don't want to sell the area, or because you're going to be there yourself of the Pesach, or because you, someone else wants to use the area, the place of the Pesach. So we're talking about Bedeka, checking for Chomets, not having Chomets. Okay, so now what are we worried about? The Etzah. The Isser of owning Chomets of Pesach has to be a Kazais, right? And therefore, even though we want to clean everything, that's uh, for sure advisable, right? But the Mishabur already passed that if it's less than a Kazais and it's Matunaf, which means it's something which is dirty and a person's not going to eat, so then. Again, I'm not saying the Chachalubi don't try to clean it, I'm saying it's not an issue if a person misses it. Right? And so what's always the case? If you see underneath the washing machine, there's a pretzel. Right? No one can get to it, because you can't get your fingers in, it's too near the ground. But you can see it there if you look at the flashlight. It's probably dirty down there as well. Right? You aren't mechuyev to go to great efforts to move it to get it to, because it's bottle. I don't want it, I'm not going to eat it. I'm happy to rely my bottle, I definitely don't want to keep the pretzel. It's bottle, it's fine, and it'll work. The problem with Chomets is either something which is more significant, like I said before, that if I find that I will want it, or something which I might end up eating, because it's going to fall into my food. And therefore, we're going to refocus the whole uh, parasha of Pesach cleaning. And I'm going to tell you that, uh, in my experience, the most important place to clean for Pesach is your children's room. Because if they find food, they are going to eat it, and you have to start them eating Chomets and Pesach. And not only that, children are very good at hoarding food. Right? They naturally do it. And you don't know where they put it, and therefore you have to go and look for it. And it's like playing a little bit like cat and mouse, because uh, they try to get it away from you. Right? Because they don't want to get rid of their chomets, and you want to find it. Okay, so therefore the primary places to check, which are often forgotten, and I'm saying this from a year of year getting the showers and places when people find chomets. Number one, all your children's pockets. Coats, sweaters, trousers, whatever it is. Pockets, always, because people, kids put food in their pockets. And they don't think about it. And uh, they'll, find, they'll, they'll find it on Pesach. Number two. The fact that you went through the washing machine since the kid last wore it doesn't mean anything. Because the Israeli wrapped wafers in that like kind of silver foil, tinsel wrapping, survive washing machines. I can tell you from experience, I can go to the washing machine and come out and this is good conditions I went in. That's number one. Number two, school bags, school ticks, uh, the things they bring, the pressure sheets home, and all these things, check. They're very likely to have comments in them, and you'll find real comments. On, you just don't want to find real chametz and but you'll find it before you have to look for it. Same thing in any kind of toys which have play food or play kitchens. You'll find real food in the kitchen also, right? So if, if, if you have a little girl who has a set of play dishes or play pots, check it. Right? You'll find a lot of real food ended up there too, right? And then after, just generally, if they have a place where they hide the things behind their clothing, wherever it is in their drawer, in their play cabinet, look because you're going to find real. That's the primary place to find real food. The Mishabur already says. The halach of being boyek b'chametz is a makom shemachnesim b'chametz, and when they're yedalim k'tanim, when they're small children, so then anything could be a makom shemachnesim b'chametz. That's my first place to check. Okay, they have to do very well. Next place, and this is when you get to the kitchen. And now we're not so worried about like wrapped chametz or big ones of chametz because you'll find that and you'll deal with it. What we're worried about here more is chametz which is going to fall into your food. And the problem with chametz falling into the food is that there's no bit of chametz on Pesach. And therefore, in those areas, even if a crime would fall into a big part of soup, the whole thing will be rendered osler. And therefore, my ikka job in checking the kitchen for chametz, and cleaning the kitchen for chametz, is to look for places which are likely to have chametz, which could fall into my food. And now, bittel is not going to help. 
Because even if it's considered rendered onerous, the mice will still come. So if it lands up in food, it'll be a problem. You won't get chorus because that's not that's what they have for They're still awesome. Okay, so the, the first, the prime three culprits, which people don't think of checking in the kitchen, and number one is the rubber seal of the fridge. Every fridge, in order to create a vacuum, has this like accordion rubber seal, right, which closes when, uh, makes a vacuum when you close it. Being as it folds in the seal in order to, to create the vacuum, you will see if you open it up, that thing cr- crumbs fall inside. Now, the, the fridge is the place you're using for food in Pesach, and very often for uncovered food. If every time it moves and things fall, then you're going to get real, real chomets into whatever food's going to be in the fridge. It has to be checked very well. Number two, if you happen to have a counter with closets or cupboards on top of it, right, so everyone's going to go to cashing the counter and covering. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Baruch Hashem has to cash in the kitchen. Check the bottom of the cupboards. Because again, if any residue of food has hit the top of the cupboard, which happens when there's steam, it can fall. And if it's going to fall, it's going to fall into your food. And therefore, when you check, we're looking to check places which the, we're worried about the possibility of hummus going into food, right? So then you have to worry about even the mashu because that's a problem. And the last well-known, this is more well-known, as we're talking about, the last place to check is farm. Because when people bring farm to the table and they eat of this farm, they get crumbs in this farm. And they're going to bring the same safer to the table and Pesach, the crumbs are going to go back out of the farm onto the Pesach, dishes are onto the Pesach table. And therefore, and therefore, you have one or two options. The first option is you never use farm during the year at the table. And the other option is you never use farm and Pesach on the table. Or option three, if you really want to do this, is to check a safer page by page. Right? The idea of people pick up the safer and take the safer, all it does is break the binding. Right? If crumbs have gotten stuck between the pages, the only way you're going to get them out is by opening every page and making sure that there's no crumbs inside. So, yes, there were those good ladies who had the one safer that they always kept at the table, and they would check it page by page before Pesach. It's, it's very hard work. It's easier not to bring the farm that you bring to, that you would ever have a habit of eating over, not to bring it to the table in Pesach. You can still use it, just don't, don't bring them on the table. You can still use it and make sure that you're not going to come into contact with the food. Okay, so then, like I said, as far as cleaning goes, so we don't want uh, more than a kazais. If it's less than a kazais, I'm not mechuyev to be terech, to, and like I said, to deal with that, the bittel will work for that. And, but I have to worry about those cases where there'll be chomets, either I'll am machshiv, or chomets, which even if I'm not machshiv, I'm going to end up eating. Right. Other places which people should think of checking is if you have a car. You know, cars are notorious places to find chomets. Um, in every single heavy hole side pocket, under the seat, in, under the, inside the seat, wherever it is, right, people eat, especially kids, eat in the car the whole time. And uh, therefore, it's definitely a place that has to be checked very well. Okay, that's uh, as far as uh, we've covered. Uh, we've covered uh, that's as far as Pesach cleaning goes. Now, yeah. Selling, we've spoken about the union of either being vile or the idea of being voidic. Now, last thing is to come to Bittel. The main thing Bittel only works for the person doesn't know about because if he knows about it, he should have either sold it or destroyed it. Now, we've done the Chatchilim of Vatel. Or oh, I need to talk about something which is so insignificant that I can't get to it and it's not worth anything. Right? The people have always had this brilliant idea that why don't they just, instead of having to get rid of the Muhammad, why don't they just put it outside in the park somewhere, like hide it under a tree and vattle it. And then if I have to pass, I'll come and look for it again. It's out of my research, it's in the park, it's in the public place, I was a vattle it, I did battle. And uh, the answer to this is the same answer we said before. And that is, if you're actually hiding it under a tree, you aren't really being a vattle it. Right? If you want to vattle it, put it on the pavement and say, you'll take it. Right, if you're putting it under the tree, it's because you really want to find it again after Pesach, which means a bit was never really a bit. 
That's, and that's brought down in the post community. That if a person wants to keep the chametz, add it to a guy because it's a real sale that belongs to him. To rely on a bittel, which I think I'll undo later on, isn't a good option. It means the bittel wasn't real. So we only rely on bittel. I know, but, but, so why am I hiding it? If I, if I, I want to be the guy to be quoted later, but I know that I'm being without it now. So I, want to be the I agree with you. And because of the, the, the fact that the mice I'm trying to organize, I'll get it again, shows that I don't really want to be without it. So, and that is, what about, this song always comes out, what about cosmetics or things like that? Uh, makeup, which have comments in it. Now, most often, there's always a shy there, because what's the gather of comments? The gather of comments is, Something which a dog will eat or won't eat. And very uh, cosmetics are not things that dogs eat. Right? So why is there a problem of homes with these things? So they say because it's sort of actually. Right? Which means that since I want to keep it, it's not like something which is in the gather of uh, something which I don't want. And therefore it's so bad that even though I want to eat it. It's something I actually very much do want. That's expensive perfume. Or cologne, which is, uh, which is an alcohol-based alcohol, uh, grain-based alcohol in it. Right? And what? So here the dog isn't the raya. Right? And if that's the case, then if a person knows that so whatever it is has homes in it, it doesn't hurt to sell. There are those persons who hold that it's not Osir. It's a Megmachlaikus. If Akshavay works on such a thing, because wants to be careful, it doesn't hurt to sell. For sure, it's not worse than the case of Tarovis, which everyone agrees that you have to sell Tarovis. Um, if a person doesn't, now, but a lot of things aren't really, we don't know if they have Chomets or not. A person doesn't need to find a Koshla Pesis Heksha on every single detergent that he wants to use, or shower gel, or shampoo he wants to use of a Pesach, because these things. Even if there would be, it's unlikely, but it's not the Dabba Khashif. And therefore, the person will be allowed to use them over Pesach. So that's the Anishayla. Things which have arrived, like sometimes they have hair things, which are mainly oats, then for sure, yeah, the person should sell it also. You know, the Sfarah of Akshavah is a good Sfarah. If he wants it for that reason, and that's the primary green, which is Khamis, then he should sell it. I don't think it's something he really 